0: Everybody knows that the days are loaded
1: Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed
2: Hey Buns, welcome once again to the Buns Podcast I think I would be remiss if I uh, didn't talk about Trump's being elected president before we started It seems to be on the tip of everybody's tongue uh, All I can say is... I think we all just have to wait and see what's going to happen. It's kind of impossible to uh uh to know. I mean, Trump has no political track record really. Um and no real experience to speak of, so it's hard to look at uh you know what he's done and kind of figure out what he's going to do. Of course, he stirred up a lot of things uh both in the United States. Uh, I mean, the racism and and, sexism and all the rest of that was bubbling over for a while, but I think he was definitely a catalyst. And then even here, uh, living in East York, I've seen posters for what seems to be some sort of white supremacist group, and I guess they're becoming more brazen because of uh, Trump's being elected. So, uh, I mean, not great, but what I would say is... Uh, I mean, I don't know that the world is necessarily going to end. At least I hope it isn't. So let's just all kind of sit back and uh, not worry about the sky falling until, you know, at least a couple of weeks. You know, once some people get trampled for Black Friday or whatever. Dark. I got dark there. Sorry. Anyway, time for This Week in Buns. Welcome to This Week in Buns.
1: Hi, Buns.
2: Hey, my name is Koji, and uh, joining me as always, all the way from California, is Callie B. Hi. How's life in California? How's life post-Trump election?
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, goodness. Uh, things are a little crazy. Uh, most of the people that I know are like going through either some state of shock and or... Um, I think people have kind of been shocked into action. I went to that huge uh, protest march on Saturday. Uh, It was in downtown LA. Mm -hmm. I saw some articles after that said that the, quote, police estimated it was 8,000 people, but it was so many more people than that. Like, if you look at the photos, it's crazy. I didn't even realize because we were kind of uh, further towards the front of the march. Uh, And once we got to the meeting place, people just kept coming. And I was like, oh, I thought we were kind of in the back, and everyone was like, "No, no, there's so many people behind us." I didn't really realize until um, people were streaming, and so I posted some videos and stuff of that. It there were so many people, and it was it was great. Um, it was really nice to. I mean, being Canadian, I feel like uh, you get upset about American politics that there's not really that much you can do about it. Um, so. Yeah. As much as I sort of joked before moving here that I would move back to Toronto if Trump was elected, I now kind of feel like I might actually be able to make a difference, like kind of being in the thick of it, not just with protests, but like, I have friends that like, we're starting weekly meetings to like, see what we can do and like, what uh, sort of community things we can volunteer our time or money to and you know, trying to make a difference <clears throat> and sort of figure stuff out. you
2: you're trying to make America great again?
1: I, I think America uh, was never that great. <laughs> I think we're trying to make America great for the first time, for everyone. Uh, I think America was really great for white dudes, and that's probably about it. And I think it's time that America is great for everybody. Um, but enough politics, or actually not enough politics, because the first Bonds post of this week that I have is related to the election. Um, Marissa posted in the main trading zone this... At first, she was just putting out feelers. She was like, I just created this graphic a week ago as a fun project, and it's a graphic she posted Mm -hmm. that is a nasty woman brigade member patch. It's like the side uh, profile of a lady with a bun in her hair. And... She was asking if anyone, she was like, a few friends expressed interest in me actually getting these made into patches, and I was wondering if there would be any, idea, like, if anyone would be interested in them, like, how many I should get made, Uh, I would want to make them as cheap as possible, Um, just, she just needs to, like, be able to cover her cost, she wants to get them out there, and so there was a lot of response to this, Uh, initially there were, like, 53 comments. <clears throat> um, and I think there would have been more, but it was the comments were turned off a little bit early because it wasn't specifically a trade. Like she probably should have put it in helping zone. But anyway, uh, she ended up getting such a response that she has made them into actual real patches, uh, and she's posted the update that you can order them in her Etsy store, and they're beautiful. And I'm going to buy a bunch for a bunch of people that I know that are just are going to love this. Like, in fact, her, her, the Etsy name of her shop is the nasty women brigade. So you can either go to Bun's podcast zone and find the links there, um, which I'm incredibly bad at posting. I, apologize. I uh, never post them on time. Um, but you can either go go find the link there or even just search for the Nasty Women Brigade on Etsy if you want to buy one of these. They're like $6. Um, I think she might be getting some herself in Toronto to trade with people. Uh, but if you want to just like if you want to get like a whole bunch of them, you can order them on her Etsy too if you don't want to trade for them.
2: I kind of want one. For being honest,
1: I know I think she should make another one uh, that's a little more uh all gender inclusive that would be great
2: uh, I mean whatever i I like the idea I think uh, good for you for uh finding a niche and, and working your way in there Let's all be nasty women yeah you can be part of the nasty well,
1: women brigade
2: speaking of well, I was going to say speaking of nasty, but I don't know if this is nasty. I kind of want to eat it. Which <laughs> makes me feel different things. But um, Excuse me. Victoria posted that she has a Harry Potter penis cake up for grab. Oh god, it's and amazing. It's made of chocolate.
1: I I it You know what? I don't like even really eat cake, and I want to eat it.
2: <laughs> Harry Potter's I guess sweater with like a shirt and tie. But then all of a sudden, I feel like it has black or like so many abs, abs.
1: so a, many abs, <laughs> and a giant
2: penis with blue balls,
1: super veined. Oh, you know what it is? It's the penis is coming out of the blue pants of the outfit. So it's oh, like this, unzipped it's a cut off top. Yeah, it's like the pants okay. are coming up yeah, to yeah. the bottom ab like it's unzipped and then you can just see the actual dick, but the balls are still in the pants. So they're blue.
2: Yeah. What's that other little penis looking thing on the left there? I have no idea. I think it's a wand.
1: Oh yeah. That's totally, it's a wand like in the front pocket of the, of the, this thing is amazing. Like who made, there is no information on this post. It just says Harry Potter penis cake up for grabs, period chocolate, period Meet at queen West, which honestly queen West is huge. That's not even a specific, (laughs) that's not even a specific place. Uh, There's no other information. Who made this cake? Why did they make this cake? Uh, Why aren't they eating this cake? Like, did they just make it and then not eat it and put it on buns? I don't understand.
2: Maybe it was for a bachelorette party and the wedding's canceled. Oh. But uh, (laughs) there's a great uh, comment in the thread, which is a gift from the office. And it says, as a person who buys a lot of erotic cakes, it just feels good to be represented on one. So, <laughs> oh yeah, from um, the office. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> it's pretty Anyways, amazing. Was it for
2: you with the, with the penis cake?
1: Um, I don't know if anyone uh, ended up getting this uh, cake or not. If you got the Harry Potter penis cake, for the love of God, update the post or uh, update us in Bun's podcast zone or email Koji at Bun's.com because I want to know yeah. who got this and what you did with it
2: pictures please or didn't (laughs)
1: um well speaking of sexy things on buns uh kaylee is offering in the main trading zone a fantastic and much needed free service to everyone uh her post says hey friends it's your local killjoy kaylee root I own a sex store, uh, and I noticed a few sex toys and sexual wellness products up for trade on here and in the app, uh, and then she like links her uh, her like app name. Uh, she says, I think it's rad, but listen up. Not everything you trade for is body safe. A lot of these dildos, vibrators, and lubes, etc., will burn your bits or make you sick, and I'm not joking. Uh, here's the thing. There's no regulations in the sex toy industry, so lots of toxic shit is sold every day because it's the easiest way to make a quick buck. Uh, PVC, anything that smells chemically when you open it up, lubes that have super irritating ingredients in them. I've noticed a lot of shady lubes for one, and I have had a very traumatic experiences with those. This isn't hippie gluten-free PSA. I don't think you want to know what it's an I don't think you want to know what happens kind of PSA. So she's offering a free service. If you see something you want to trade for of a sexual nature on buns, you can check in with her and she'll let you know if it's body safe or not. Anything you want to know about it. So um, honestly, find this post, go to Buns Podcast Zone, find the link to this post and save this post because in the future, when you need to search for it, if you find something you want to trade for that's like sexy, sexy, and you need to know if it's actually going to be sexy, sexy, or if it's going to be like Bernie Hurdy, you can (laughs) message Kaylee and for free, she will like in the grand spirit of Buns, just help you figure that out. Which I think is great. Amazing. We see these things yeah, all the no. time.
2: <laughs> I, I, I don't know the first thing about sex toys, and I feel like uh, they come up so often in Buns. That it's, so it's often. To finally, have a uh, Buns sex toy expert officially. I'm I'm naming. <clears throat> Kaylee, the bun sex toy expert. And yeah, so she owns
1: a sex toy, which is called uh, La Petit Mour, which she links in her post too, um, which I'm sure if you want to not trade for, but rather buy sex toys that I'm positive all the stuff at her store would be safe. <laughs> Whereas like other stuff, not so much. We've actually covered stuff on the podcast before uh, that somebody posted like a uh, some dick in a box or something. And someone was like, please don't actually use this. It's super toxic uh, in the comments. Yeah,
2: yeah. I remember that. Um, speaking of toys, n- not not sex though. Uh, Nikki posts that uh, she's looking for Furbies.
1: I mean, depends on what you're Think into. Your
2: Furbies. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, that's true. I, 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 I don't know what she wants them for. In fact, she she specifically says, "Don't ask why I want them. I want as many as you have." Got modern Furbies? Put them in the toilet. Like the garbage boys they are. I want the original, real, legit Furbies. None of this 2012 Furby boom bullshit, unless they're really cute and come with a nickname decided by you. Help me grow my Furby army, please. They make me so happy. We'll trade Hansel Me for your Furbies, tokens, house plants, <laughs> tea, and books.
1: Pick related, it's a Furby. Okay. There's a sleepy Furby in her lab. And honestly, the comments on this post are hilarious so many people have furbies and their names are really funny I have an original <laughs> furby. do you dude yeah. get your furby and get your puka shell necklace <laughs> and yeah, trade them on buns. Both,
2: honestly both those things are probably like in my mom's basement dude somewhere hiding
1: get the puka shell necklace put them on the furby teach it to sing if you get down on me i'll get down on you there buns go. gold <laughs> you could trade that thing for anything you want on buns Ooh.
2: well <laughs> hold on i actually while we're on the subject of of trading for anything you want and <gasps> retro toys kate is in desperate need of a Boppet. Ah, uh, she says name your trade twisted so if any of you out there yeah <laughs> pull it something yeah okay. I don't
1: remember any of the other ones <laughs> um,
2: So yeah if, uh, if that speaks to you find Kate uh, in the main trading <laughs> zone and trade her your bopet. She seems pretty desperate to have one.
1: I mean I want to know what people are doing with all of these personally.
2: You know, if I had any of this stuff accessible, I mean, I should just have an open house and be like, hey, guys, come to my house. If you see anything you like, most of it's for trade. I just need to get
1: oh yeah this stuff out of my Unearth house. Unearth all of the childhood nostalgia boxes from your mom. You could literally, you should have gotten all that stuff when you were doing your month living on buns. You would have been eating handsomely.
2: Honestly. Well, here's the thing, guys. I- I'm just going to take an aside from this from this week in buns just really quick my mom used to own a uh like a retro 50s antique store
1: cool
2: her, her garage is just filled with like you know um uh, old furniture and like lamps what? and um uh, and and gl- eyeglass frames and stuff if that's of interest to anyone out there and you guys want to like Come trade for some of the stuff.
1: Um, I want all of I'm it.
2: Sure, <laughs> I'm sure we can set up a time to go to my mom's house and figure this out. Or if you, if you're enterprising enough and you want to, I don't know, do something strange with it. Like there's so many eyeglass frames and all this other weird stuff. Oh my god! Send yeah. me everything.
1: It, FedEx it to L. A. <laughs> uh,
2: what do we? What else do we have on tap?
1: Um, so there is, uh, I don't, I actually, I'm horrible and I don't remember if we covered it last week, uh, or if we covered the update. I think we covered it briefly last week. There is a bike, uh, someone bought, he says, just bought the stolen bike for cheap. If it's yours, please message me so I can get it back to you. There's a photo of the bike. It says, PS, there's a female celebrity's name handwritten on the top bar of the frame. So if it's yours, like, let him know what the name is so you can prove that it's your bike. Uh, everyone in the comments was like. Take it to the police, see if it's registered. Uh, P.S. If you don't know this, which I didn't until I thought that I'd gotten my bike stolen once but had secretly just drunkenly left it somewhere and forgot because I'm the worst, uh, I didn't realize, find your uh, serial number. You can register online your bicycle serial number with the police so that you can prove that it's yours later. Uh, You can prove if you find it for sale somewhere or like, you know, if you go to a bike shop and you find your bicycle or if somebody finds it on buns, like you have the serial number and you can prove that it's yours. Um, Or if someone's trying to return your bike to you like this person is, uh, this person went to the police and this bike isn't registered and no one has reported it stolen. Uh, So the police told this guy to just keep it. Um, If anyone has any other suggestions on how he can get the bike to the rightful owner or if this is your bike, it looks to be black. Uh, it's a black Da Vinci. It has really weird handlebars. I guess maybe they're bull handlebars and like a red bell on it. Uh, if, if this is your bike, guys, like hit up this post. It's re- I think it's really nice that Joshua bought this bike to try to get it back to its rightful owner.
2: It seems like he's going to great lengths to help somebody out, so... We should do our best to help find the owner.
1: Uh, speaking of going to great lengths to help somebody out, uh, I have a half sad and half happy ending post uh, that was posted in Bun's super happy love zone. It's a whole story. I wanted to read the whole story to you. It's kind of long, so um, I'm sure you would hate me if I read the whole thing. But basically, uh, Adrienne was walking home from work with her new paycheck in hand, like literally in her hand. Uh, and she came across something, which was a pigeon uh, laying on the ground, flapping and rolling around. And she, at first she thought he was having trouble flying because it was really windy. Um, and she thought she would just pick him up and put him somewhere less windy. But when she did, his head was rolling around and doing a 180, so it was just the, like something was wrong with this poor bird. Um, and she looked around and then noticed there were other remains of two dead pigeons. So clearly something had attacked them all. And this one was really, really hurt, but it had survived. So she realized that uh, she knows a vet over uh, the bridge from where she was. So she picked up the bird, named it Speck, and like carried him over the bridge to the animal hospital. The vet that she knew there had left and would be gone for the weekend. Uh, So she got a box from them with like a little blanket in it and got directions to the nearest animal hospital. So she walked over there um, and was like crying because she knew they were going to have to put the bird down. She felt really bad for it. Um, When she realized as she was carrying the bird to the second vet that... When she picked the pigeon up, she'd shoved her paycheck into her pocket without thinking about it, and then as she was uh, walking to the second bridge, she felt around in her pocket and realized that her paycheck was gone. Um, it was super windy, so she was like, I knew that shit was long gone, but she was really upset, obviously, because she lost her paycheck, um, and she knew that she had to make a decision between leaving the bird to go leave for her two weeks' pay... Or she could make sure that he got taken care of. And so she made sure that the bird was taken care of. Um, she went to the next vet. They put him down. Uh, the like people there was like really nice to her and told her that she did a really good thing, making sure that this creature like went peacefully. Um, returned the box and the blanket to the first vet. Uh, she got to like pet the bird before he went under. Like, this is all very touching. And then, as wow. she was leaving the vet, she was like, I had to return the blanket to the other vet. So I walked back to the other lady who uh, hugged me before we said goodbye. And then, as I was walking back over the bridge, I saw a piece of paper crumpled under a tree, and it was my paycheck. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. this story just like hit everyone <laughs> right in the fields. Uh, there are like so many comments on this. Like everyone just like thanking her for like making sure that the bird like had a peaceful death and was like not scared and alone and then like happy ending she got her paycheck back so I just thought that was that's a really incredible. nice story yeah
0: <laughs> and
1: that's well, what Bun's super happy of, low and love zone is good for
2: oh uh, you're such an advocate so
1: <laughs> it's zone. so great all the time anyway go on yeah speaking of
2: uh, of Long, longer stories uh, V posted in the main trading zone and in helping zone. Um, Really just ISO somebody named Angie and or an invitation to the Buns misconnection zone, if that's the thing, which it is. Um, And he says, I, I trade my gratitude for a comical tale of incompetence. It was Monday evening around seven o'clock. The train was cramped and you came up to me while I was listening to my podcast. I hope it was this podcast. To be, <laughs> I'm gonna be very set. Was
1: it Bun's podcast? <laughs> yeah,
2: we were westbound, uh, and had just left Dundas West on my way to Kiel. When I took my earbuds out, I realized you were asking me about, asking me about my N seven tactical jacket. Uh, nerds, nerds, <laughs> uh, but who doesn't love mass effect? Really? Um, He didn't say that. I'm I'm just saying that. I can't remember if your hair was brown or blonde because, honestly, your smile lit up the entire subway.
1: Aw, that's cute. Hard to find her, though. I couldn't help
2: (laughs) but think how cute your glasses were. You wanted to know where I got my jacket and I told you I ordered it from an online store a few years ago. You were disappointed. You couldn't get one anymore. I mentioned they had more apparel for women now despite being a video game franchise and even joked how some men were upset about it. It was also N7 Day. Apparently that's a... Oh, here. He even says a great geeky in-joke about the franchise. You were so pleasant and friendly. uh, Blah, 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 blah. I introduced myself. You told me your name. He said it was Angie. We shook hands, the door opened, and for some reason beyond my comprehension, I stepped off the train. I looked at you terrified over what I had just did and how I blew my chance to talk to you some more. I simply told you the URL of my Twitch channel, and re- and you repeated it back. The door's closed. What, Twitch. Channel? This guy's going all the way.
1: Super nerd. <laughs> it's great. But I th- love which it. Which cool, man.
2: I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. So uh, into nerds. I mean, I'm not... I'm not at Twitch level yet, but if you want to help me get there, you know, you guys can watch me do this podcast in my underwear. <laughs> um, I exited the platform and began to inwardly scream at myself for the next several hours. Why couldn't I have just stayed on the train? Why did I get off the train? Etc. Etc. Anyway, even if you were just interested in the game and not me can we please get some tea and talk about our favorite moments from it? I don't understand why I froze, but I'm ready to talk about my favorite plot points. Jesus Christ, man, you had me up until this point. And I want to hear more about your favorite characters and the choices you made in the game. Also, if I may please buy you that tea.
1: That's cute. I think it's nice that he it's was like, even if you don't want to date me, like let's nerd out together. Cause that's nice. Cause I mean, maybe she also just wants to, like, have a fun nerd friend to talk to, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's a handsome fellow, this guy, this V. So, uh, yeah, I hope you... Uh,
1: oh, man, are you I this you nerd? Your lady <laughs> friend. Yeah. If you are the nerd who talked to this guy on the train, hit up this post. And then please, for the love of God, update us. There's so many misconnection posts. I don't, we still don't know what actually happened with the fireman. (laughs) Like, there's so many. Yeah. There was actually another one this week that I, um, just when you were reading that, realized there was another, like, misconnection post this week. And I didn't save it. And I now have no idea where it is. So if you guys Mm. have that post... I'm even, like, looking through my notifications right now, and I can't find the dang thing. Um, So if anyone else saw the other misconnection from this week, post it in Buzz podcast zone, because I suck and I can't find it anymore. His had way less info. It was, like, he saw someone who he thought was, like, this really beautiful girl, and she had, like, brown hair and bangs and glasses. And I was, like, dude, that's the most, like... A uh, vague description like was like who how, how, was she short was she tall like what color was her skin like this literally could be like that's his description, description described like f- a million girls who live in Toronto
2: honestly that's probably the kind of description I would give
1: like you can't just say brown hair I'm and so glasses
2: <laughs> I'm so oblivious to basically everything that uh, I'm just like, yeah, you know, she was cute. She had hair. She was <laughs> not, you know, it wasn't that short. It wasn't that long. Oh, man. You know, maybe she had glasses. If you guys are posting She's missed connections, sort
1: of like be as detailed as humanly possible. Because even if that person isn't in buns, there are like 60,000 people in buns almost. Chances are someone knows this person. And if you're really detailed, their friend will be like, oh, my friend is has brown hair and glasses. And a backpack with this patch on it. You know, like you need something else (laughs) beyond that. I hear you. Um, so I've got one of my favorite like posts of the week was super simple. Um, Matt, and this was only a few days ago. So if you guys want to contribute your Photoshop skills to this, hit up the post. It's in the main trading zone. Matt was ISO, someone to Photoshop his dog into space. Uh, Nothing to trade but the experience of Photoshopping my dog into space, which honestly, it's still a pretty good trade because his dog is real cute. So he put up a photo of his dog. It's like a husky. He has like a really cute blue bandana on, and he's running in a park. He looks real happy. And then all of the comments, like you guys need to see these Photoshops. This dog has now been... Uh, not only to space, but uh, like someone photoshopped him into like the aliens, uh, into oh, someone made an animated GIF of the dog in space with the deal with its sunglasses landing on its face. Uh, somebody photoshopped the dog onto the space bar of a computer keyboard because uh, we all love puns. Um, this dog is not Star Trek. This dog is in uh, Gravity. <laughs> this dog, like the movie Gravity. Uh, this dog oh, is nice. like playing basketball and... Being photoshopped into like the moon landing, into spacesuits, as the president eating pizza—like it's great. <laughs> this this post, this post turned super amazing uh, in the comments. Uh, so love, if you I guys, love this, like,
2: Photoshop competitions.
1: Yeah, it's and this one is super great because it involves a very cute dog. So if y'all have some Photoshop skills, go get in this post. And or just look at all of these pictures because they're hilarious and amazing. And there's so many of them.
2: Nice. Well, I only have one more for us. And this is from Danielle. Hey, boys and girls, this may not be the right (coughs) buns to post this in, but here goes. I've been trying very hard to get back into one of my passions, tarot card reading. Spooky. I've been dabbling since 16, but want to make more progress professionally. I've only read a couple complete strangers before, and I would love it if a couple of willing participants would be into it. I will say I have yet to have a wrong reading, so at worst you get an off an off reading, but at best you could gain some great insight into your life. So I'm I'm pretty tempted. I've never had a tarot card reading before. I'm pretty tempted.
1: But dude, you should go do it and like record it <laughs> for the podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Get like a, a Buns idea. tarot like card reading. It, right <laughs> <clears throat> it can be your uh like a really weird interview where you also get like your you know, your tarot cards read, <laughs> I can hear you typing oh, over clap. there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have an old school mechanical keyboard, so it's like clackety clackety, but I'm going,
2: <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm commenting as we speak.
1: That's amazing.
2: Um, yeah. Cause that's such a great idea.
1: Well, while you're, anyway, that's, yeah. I, I have, uh-huh. um, I think I have three more posts to cover. Uh, one is, Coat donations, Uh, it's apparently getting cold in Toronto. I wouldn't know, it's stupid hot here every day. Um, But uh, Jennifer has posted in the main trading zone that she has a very important favor. Her friends and herself are doing their second annual winter coat share. So their ISO, your extra winter coats, sweaters, hats, gloves, pants, socks, and toiletries. The packages will be made and delivered by hand by herself to those in need this winter. Uh, And then she included some pictures that look like coats that have been uh, wrapped up and bundled up with a little note that says, stay warm, my friend, love the people of Toronto. So I think like they're collecting these things and then literally just walking around and giving them out to people on the street that look cold. Um, which unfortunately happens all the time in Toronto. It was literally, I was like a couple of years ago, it was like there was a crazy snowstorm. It was like currently snowing and I was taking uh, the streetcar somewhere and I saw a woman who was wearing flip-flops with socks and felt so bad. Like I wanted to give her my boots. Like I just felt horrible. So I think it's really nice that they are doing this. There's a lot of comments here. So they're getting a bunch of really sweet um, donations. But if you guys have any warm winter clothes from years past that you don't use anymore, or you've upgraded to a different jacket, like hit up this post and donate your shit.
2: Yeah, I love this. I love how frequently we hear about buns taking the initiative and putting together this sort of, uh, you know, care packages. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, back to school packages for Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. jackets or whatever it is. I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a really nice post. My last two are like really fun light posts. Um, William or Willem, sorry, uh, posted This is a choose-your-own-adventure item. An unopened box of cereal that I can't eat has got to go. In exchange, I want a surprise. When you get here, you decide what comes next. Maybe you grab it and run. Maybe you stick around and we play Hive. Maybe you demand that I bake you a cake. Just don't tell me before you get here. And then it's a picture of himself holding this Dorset cereal box in front of his face. Um... 77 likes on this and a bunch of comments and then an update, uh, where he <clears throat> posted a picture of himself in the bun who came over, uh, wearing this crazy outfit. And he said, did not expect this, which is exactly what I'd hoped for. Halloween came twice this year. First, Carrie arrived at the door in full costume and then gave me a zombie figurine gift made from fused perler beads. Double surprise. Uh, thank you to Carrie for totally making my day, especially so knowing that you biked over in costume and thank you to all of you lovelies of buns for just being the best. I'm sure to do this again. And then like, there's the picture of them together (laughs) with the stuff that they traded. Uh, so great.
2: (laughs) The board game nerd in me is just like, it's, he so specifically chose hive. That's such a weird choice. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but anyway I also love Great that story.
1: one of the options was that you get there And then demand that he bake you a cake And give you the cereal <laughs> Like that's amazing uh, And the fact that he was like up for that Like I showed my boyfriend this And was like look how amazing buns is in Toronto And he was like you Canadians are weird He was like, oh, like only Like the community of buns in Toronto Would actually like That somebody would even propose that and then that somebody else would follow through and that it would like go well, like is pretty amazing. (coughs) Sorry. I really
2: um, really wanted this cereal. I saw the post far too late, but I love like granola. granola. (laughs) So going back to what I was saying earlier, if you're interested in in retro stuff from my mom's garage and you have... Granola? Delicious granola. (laughs) Maybe we can talk.
1: All right. So the last post. Uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was going to do the tape one. (laughs) So Aaron posted in the main zone. And this I'm sure you guys have seen this. This post has 700 comments and over 1.3 thousand reactions. Uh, The original post, because there's an update now, but only one. Um, infuriatingly was mystery buns helped me solve this case. I renovated my house and found this weird tiny tape in an envelope in the wall. I need to know what's on the tape pals. I don't have a device to play it. Any audio buns out there know how I can listen to this thing, trading a coffee slash drink and the satisfaction of cracking the case wide open with me. And then she posted a picture. It's like one of those tiny, um, like answering machine tapes from the like eighties, nineties. And, everyone is dying <clears throat> to know what is on this tape. Her update was, okay guys, start the countdown to this baby getting solved. A bun I already have a trade with organized for tomorrow also owns a micro cassette player and is going to bring it. So check is back tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> I mean like who owns a micro cassette player, but yeah. You know. um, so last night at 11 21 PM, She posted this update that was like, check back tomorrow afternoon. Well, of course, it's way past tomorrow afternoon. Everyone is freaking out. Uh, There's literally people posting on this as we speak currently with like, can't stop checking this post. The anticipation is killing me. Uh, Once again, haunted tape. OP, rest in peace. <laughs> and, like, someone else was like, what if the tape was so horrifying she couldn't share the details? Or maybe it was. And someone else said that it was like the ring, and now that we all know about the tape, we're all doomed too. Like, <laughs> this, this post is out of control. People are still, like, literally right now posting on this, dying to know what was on this tape.
2: Uh, well, you know what that means, that next week we're going to need an update. I think.
1: I mean, everyone needs an update. Aaron, if you're listening to this and you, it's, if it's Tuesday and you haven't updated this post yet, we're recording this on Monday, like update your post. Everyone is losing their minds. They're collective buns minds. People are hoping like- that it's just a, that just a recording of never going to give you up. And it's like the like most elaborate Rick Roll in history. <laughs> That's amazing. (laughs) That's almost better than, like, whatever's actually on the tape, honestly.
2: Yeah. I mean, it would be very anticlimactic if it was just, like, some guy's, uh, I don't know, grocery list or something. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. There's no announcements for this week or anything. Uh, You guys should check out the National Post because somebody wrote (laughs) an article about uh, one of our favorite buns who's... uh, prone to hiding mystery boxes around the city. So if you're curious about that, there was an article written in the National Post. That's so cool. And, I love uh, that bun. Keep your eyes open for some updates to the app coming soon. Ooh. I can't really say much more than that, but big changes that are coming.
1: Exciting.
2: Yeah, there's just gonna be all sorts of advertisements everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: oh my god.
2: Just kidding.
1: There would be a revolt.
2: But yeah. Uh, take a listen the interview up next is uh, with a friend of mine slash documentary filmmaker about uh, how to live more sustainably Ooh. and I think that as buns we you know directly or indirectly are are uh, concerned with that sort of thing because you know we trade rather than throw away or uh, get rid of so listen up if you're you know if you want to live a slightly more sustainable life or you just Curious about helping the environment. He's got a documentary coming up. Uh, cool. Anything else, Callie, on your end?
1: No, that's it. That's it for this week on Buns. Uh, hopefully, we'll have an update uh, for some of these guys next week. So, let us know if you find Thanks your misconnection or uh, what is on this oh, goddamn yeah. tape.
2: <laughs> update us at the Buns Podcast Zone on Facebook. And, uh, as always...
1: Keep on Bunsin'. <laughs> Bye buns. Thanks
2: you guys.
0: Too much shit in your apartment? Get rid of it today on the Buns app. Available in the App Store, Google Play Store, or online at buns.com.
2: The interview this week is with a friend of mine by the name of Steven Such, although it's not spelled that way. He is the founder of a Corporation known as sustainable Joes um, Their goal is to bring sustainability into everyday life So essentially helping us reduce our waste uh, maximizing our output making sure that we're doing what we can to help the environment and it's not one of these things that is sort of um, Doom it's more just you know, we all do what we can to help and maybe we can do a little bit more I know as buns, we like to trade things instead of throw them away. And that's definitely a help, a step in the right direction. And his documentary, uh, Sustainable Joe's The Time Is Now, I believe it's called, he'll mention it in the interview, Um, will teach us just the little other things that we can do uh, to make life more sustainable. I strongly urge you all to check it out when it becomes available online. Uh, or go to the Toronto premiere that's coming up. All right, I am here with Stephen Such, I was just told, although it's not spelled that way.
0: It is not spelled that way.
2: Uh, The creator of Sustainable Joe's, and you've recently just released
0: a documentary by the same name? So the documentary has a a subtitle. It's technically Sustainable Joe's The Time Is Now. Okay. Because moving forward, you know, we want to have different... Uh, episodes, webisodes. So it'll be Sustainable Joe's Tackles Water. Sustainable Joe's Tackles... Nice. That that scotch bottle that's in the corner of the room.
2: So, yeah, we might tackle that afterwards. Uh, <laughs> so this is kind of like a,
0: you want to create a documentary series, essentially. Essentially. The, the idea is to ultimately have a, uh, a show where we journey around the world highlighting sustainable difference makers.
2: Nice. Okay, so before we get into all that, let's yeah. just rewind a second. The, the reason why I wanted you on here A is because we're friends but also because I think that what you're doing aligns really well with buns. I mean the f- main focus of your documentary is about sustainability and buns in a way is is uh, sort of part of that fight because rather than toss things out or get rid of things that may end up in a landfill, buns is uh, seemingly trading those things. Absolutely.
0: It participates in that shared economy, right? Right. How do we maximize the utility of all resources?
2: So let's start from the beginning. How did you get into sustainability and, uh, you know, create this documentary? Oh, my dog is going nuts right now. Uh,
0: The dog is now in the lap. Okay.
2: It's funny. The dog is in the lap, but not really a lap dog.
0: Okay. Today. Maybe we'll post a picture. There you go. (laughs) So yeah. Um, How
2: did you get started with this whole
0: thing? Well, I have a degree in finance. Okay. And when you look around at the natural world, I think it's important to recognize that all of our economic prosperity comes from the resources and the abundance of this planet. And with a population that has grown to 7.4 billion people, like we I don't know if you're aware of this, but we've actually quadrupled our global population in the last 100 years alone. That's crazy when you think about it. Yeah, it. Absolutely, I mean, we we've increased our global population by a factor of twelve in the last two hundred and fifty years, and people are just so unaware of that. Yeah,
2: that's staggering. Almost, I mean, uh, here's I don't one know. for you, Coach.
0: Yeah, how long do you think it takes us as a global community to add a million people to the planet? Deaths over births.
2: Add a million people to the planet. A net positive gain of a million people.
0: A uh, couple years, maybe. Like five years or so? Every four days. Wow. A million people are added to the planet every four days. That's insane. It, it's crazy. I mean, and those are some of the facts that we like highlight in the documentary. Uh, but in a more hope and solutions based manner. Right. Right. Because, you know, like I, I think I know I'm tired of the doom and gloom and a lot of the people I've talked to are tired of the doom and gloom. Yeah. So the question is, how do we move forward in a sustainable manner? How do we empower people to prosper economically mm-hmm. while maximizing the utility of all the resources that are around us?
2: And so you got your your degree in finance and how did how did that kind of lead you to sustainability? I mean, uh, there's obviously parallels between uh, the economy of, of, of things and... And then realizing, okay, that we might run out of the resources to build those things. But like, not everyone makes that connection. How did you make that connection? Or why was it so important to you?
0: Well, in all fairness, when I went to university, I had an academic scholarship. Um, and I did what people told me I should do, mm-hmm. but I wasn't happy. So right. I wouldn't say that there was a direct correlation between, you know, my finance degree and ultimately I'm moving down this path. I just, you know, recognize when do I, when am I most happy and what do I want my life to stand for? And with a little reflection in those spaces, mm-hmm. you know, when I was 26, I started a solar company. So we had that triple bottom line philosophy had, you know, good for the planet, good for people and good for somebody's pocketbook. Right. Uh, and you know, when I kind of married together that finance degree and you know, whether it be snowboarding, whether it be, you know, just a, a walk in the park, going to read a book under a tree, like these are things that to me are just like, glorious ways to spend a day you know so how do we ensure that all future generations can enjoy the beauty and and the abundance that's around us and 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 make a and make a living um and so i think that's how i ultimately arrived uh with with joe's awesome okay well
2: um i mean i think there are, there's a obviously a growing section of the population that feels the same way that you do But not everybody is is making documentaries. How did you, (laughs) right? Like how? I I think it takes a certain sort of uh, fire to say, okay, I I have something to say, and I want to create this thing. How did you get from that point to the
0: documentary? Well, I mean, so the the documentary. We're now on year four of Sustainable Joes. We just started that, right? Right. Um, Year one was living off grid. You know, how do we with over 50% of our global population living in an urban center. How do we increase the availability, the accessibility to sustainable solutions for the everyday Joe? So did you live off grid? Yeah, for a year. Created so less than one bag of garbage, kept all my garbage in the house for the year. Wow. Yeah. Where did you do this? In London. So I, again, instead of living off grid in you know in a rural community. Yeah. Because that solution is not available for everybody. Again, over half of our global population lives in an urban center, and the yeah. UN estimates that that'll get closer to like seventy seventy five percent by twenty fifty. So we're like, we're not. We will ultimately be a urban uh, population. Yeah. Uh, from a global standpoint. Uh, so because. an off-grid based lifestyle is not a available Mm -hmm. to the majority of people. We're like, okay, well, how can we live off-grid in an urban center? Uh, And then that just kind of fell into place with a a sponsorship from goal zero Canada. Uh, And then year two, it's like, okay, well, how do we raise more awareness? And so then I cycled from Canada to Key West on a solar and pedal powered trike. And then, and you actually see that in the documentary. I mean, we were just watching clips before we started recording this
2: and I was wondering, like, okay, that's not your average uh, bicycle, what's going on there. So now it makes sense, it's solar powered.
0: How long did it take you to do that? A little over six months, it stretched almost 5,000 miles. And you filmed the whole thing? Uh, yeah, or I have about 100 gigs of data. Yeah, so it, you filmed it's, legs of the journey. Yeah, and, and the documentary was originally just supposed to be, like, to chronicle the Rethink Tour and illustrate that everybody everywhere, regardless of race, religion, or geographic location, believes that we have to move our world in a more sustainable direction. Right. Or that something has to change. Mm-hmm. And we're not here to tell you, you know, like you're a bad person because you know, you have a garbage can. Right. But can we rethink that practice mm-hmm. to create less waste? And I believe that answer is yes. And that answer was echoed by people of every ethnic background from Canada all the way to the southernmost tip of the continental United States, Key West, Florida, right. which is where leg one finished. That's crazy. Okay. So that was year two. Yep. And then year three. So we ran an Indiegogo campaign. I wanted to illustrate to people like, okay, people everywhere believe something has to change. Like, you're not alone. Because I think a lot of people in this, when you talk about environmental issues, when you talk about sustainability-oriented issues, people feel, well, I'm one person. What difference can I make? Right. You know, like, oh, other people aren't living like this. But a lot of other people are and people are trying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to simply show people that, whether it's a you know, small town America to like New York City. Like right. everybody recognizes this. And you can even see it in the most recent election. Like, I mean, people are just really afraid. Like they, they want jobs. Like, so that goes back to the, the the four pillars of Joe's. Okay. And sustainable develop development, economic prosperity, environmental stewardship, social inclusion. And good governance. If we find a balance between you know those four pillars, right. I believe that as a global community, we will move forward uh, more sustainably. So, how do we how do we ultimately get here? We just simply wanted to show that this is this is an issue that everybody is aware of. Right. Uh, and then the scope exploded. So now we have like IKEA Canada. We have the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change. The United States Environmental Protection Agency. Captain Paul Watson from uh, the founder of the Sea Shepherd, uh, the star of the show uh, Whale Wars on Animal Planet. One of the leading behavioral icon- uh, economists on the planet. His name's Dr. Dan Ariely.
2: A uh, really interesting guy. Yeah, man. Loved his, his parts in the documentary because he doesn't seem to pull any punches. But hold on, <laughs> we're gonna get into that in just. Just a second. I just want to just follow through the timeline. So year four now is you finally cut together the film and you just had your premiere the other night.
0: Yeah, two nights ago. um, And how did that go? It was received wonderfully well. So That's amazing. It was. And, you know, I'm not a filmmaker. Right. I'm just a a guy who believes, like, something has to change. And And so how can we amplify that voice? And what are those solutions? Yeah, okay. And that's what the doc's about. Like, amplify the voice continue to build the community and provide solutions. It's
2: interesting because, uh, you said that you originally, the aim was to create a documentary about your cross, uh, continent to yeah. tour. And, uh, you kind of found a narrative in there or a more pressing thing that you wanted to say. And now, and now it's out, where can people check it out? Or will people be able to check it out at some point?
0: Absolutely. So I believe that knowledge, all knowledge should be free and available to everybody. So on uh, November the twenty first, uh, we will release the film online mm-hmm. uh, at SustainableJoes.com. Nice. And then we're gonna have a we're looking at doing a Toronto premiere right now actually with uh, Tia and uh, Climate Action Canada and uh, an amazing man named uh, Stephen Campbell from uh, Lifford Wine and Spirits. That's amazing. Yeah okay well a little sip and screen that's what we've been calling it
2: let me know when you decided to do that and I'll, I'll shout it out on the show that'd be fantastic but okay so let's get into the documentary it started with uh, a cross continent tour Yep. but from the clips that I saw it's not even really about that anymore yeah uh, not even
0: close how did it how did it morph from from that to its current state so we ran an indiegogo campaign Yep, uh it was fully funded in nine days Mm -hmm. i was meeting with a, a guy by the name of kent shadwick or ken shadwick um up in uh aurora and i'm coming back on the 404 down down into toronto and um on your solar bike or what? No. I'm no, just kidding. Definitely, definitely in my car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, you know, and that that's a good example, too. Like, I drive a car. Like, it's, this isn't, like, again, less pointing fingers. Yeah. Do I think we can rethink that? Do I think that, you know, Tesla's Model 3 that's coming out is fantastic? Or, as when I was heading back to Toronto that day, mm-hmm. um, I drove past the headquarters of BMW Canada. I'm like, oh, wow. I should just pull in here and see if they'll give me an i3 or i8. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then that way, like as we retrace the steps of the original Rethink Tour, uh, we can either do that in the BMW i3 or i8. It'll show, you know, if we cycle from Canada to Key West in a solar and pedal-powered trike, Yeah. well, here's kind of the next iteration, the electrification of mobility.
2: Right. And it will prove to people that it's not uh, some sort of short-run vehicle or something, that it's it's possible to get where you need to go, regardless of how far you need to go with an o- electric. Absolutely. And vehicle.
0: it's something that, you know, anybody can implement into their life. Right. Right. So I walk in and three weeks later, I have a meeting with the national manager for BMW. I. Oh, you actually stopped. Oh yeah. Oh wow. I, okay. like, so I stop, I walk in, talk to the people at the front desk. Uh, and legitimately three weeks later, I'm, you know, I have a sit down with Mark Belkor from BMW Canada. Wow. Yeah. It blew my mind too. <laughs> that's crazy at which point they're like okay well we can get you the car but can you get more canadian content because at the time you know the idea of the doc was okay we're going to retrace the steps of the rethink tour we'll you know we'll talk to the, the directors at the EPA we'll show like yeah people believe something has to change and this is kind of the, the pilot uh and then we'll pitch for real money and do it like kind of what the documentary now is a little next level right so BMW's like, yeah, okay, we can get you the car if you can get us more Canadian content. I get more Canadian content. That's when like the president of Bird Studies Canada, the executive director for the Canadian Water and Wastewater Association, the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change for the province of Ontario, the Water Brothers, like the list goes on and on and on. Like the, the sustainability manager for IKEA Canada. That's crazy. Yeah. So then I go back and I'm like, okay, well now we're gonna need the car for longer. I'm like, well, we we can't give it to you for longer. I'm like, well, I can't give you the, the car back in Georgia. Right, right. So then I got all these people. The scope again exploded. Budget stayed the same. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, and that that's what really morphed the the documentary to be what it is today, which I'm extremely grateful for. It it made it more difficult, but the end product I am so incredibly grateful for and happy with.
2: So that's kind of an interesting uh, idea that you just mentioned. The fact that well, I mean, on a whim you kind of stopped into BMW Canada. And they were actually willing to help you out, but they said, we want more Canadian content. And it it was actually their insistence that that caused the whole thing to kind of balloon into what it is now, which is, I think, a message to people, like, "Here, here are the issues, which we... I mean, there's a lot of documentaries talking about what the issues are, but I think what yours does even better is presents it in a kind of everyday fashion, but also presents possible solutions or not even solutions, but possible ways that an every man can move the needle. Absolutely. And I think that that's, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. They say, okay, well, like you said, everyone agrees we've got this problem. We need to do something about it. But everyone feels like, oh, well, what can I do? Like, hey, I'm recycling. I'm putting things in in my, in my green basket. I'm, uh, you know, trying to reduce waste. You know, I'm shutting off my lights and not wasting water. Is that, you know, what else can I do? And I think that, that your documentary kind of outlines, hey, here's some, some other things. And it's interesting because it's also a conversation. It, 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 well, it feel, felt like a conversation to me as opposed to just like, uh, you know, some sort of like BBC thing, which is like, here are the problems. Yeah.
0: Call your municipal leader and, right. and they'll solve it, right? Right, or vote for this bill or whatever it yeah. is, you know? like. I, I believe it's time for us to take responsibility. Okay, can you give me some examples? Well, I mean, I could, but then, you know, why would somebody watch the film? Oh, here we go. (laughs) Um, Just a little tidbit. uh, Okay, a little nugget. Um, Well, one of my favorites. Yeah. And and this is uh, Captain Paul Watson said this. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, today, cats are eating more fish than all the the seals in all of the oceans combined. Oh yeah. So, okay. You, you play this clip. That to me, that's like a, the one of the most astounding things I've ever heard. Yeah. But. I mean, when was the last time you saw a, a happy wet cat? Right. Like cats, cats don't like swimming. Like, I mean, you know, on occasion, I'm not going to say you're not going to see a picture of a cat swimming, but yeah. like, I've never, I, I've never held a happy wet cat. Right, right. Uh, so the fact that cats are eating more fish than all the world seals put together blows my mind. So, you know, in the film I say, you want a simple solution? That can have a positive impact on the planet today. Find non fish feed for your feline. It's that simple.
2: That's that's pretty crazy. It's, those things you don't even think about. Like, it I wouldn't have occurred to me that there's just so much actual fish in in cat food. But I guess, you know, we have this like weird cartoon association that cats like love to steal milk and fish and stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean Garfield. Thank Gar- yeah. thank you Garfield.
2: Well, Garfield liked, the uh, what was it? Some sort of pasta that I can't remember. Lasagna. Lasagna. Garfield loved lasagna. That's right.
0: <laughs> that's right. So, okay. So you and the film's full of those those little nuggets, right? Yeah. I mean, and it's also full of like things that people probably already know. Some of them, and mm-hmm. and then other things that they're like, oh wow, that's kind of like, I, I didn't, I didn't bridge that connection. Right.
2: And it, I, I feel like it, for a lot of the documentary, you went straight to the source. For a, for a lot of these things, like, yeah, we
0: were lucky to be able to do that,
2: yeah, and it's in what's kind of interesting but also disheartening for me is that like a lot of what they talk about are things that I'd never even heard, but I feel like <laughs> I sh- we all should know, right and so how do how do you kind of um what's the next step to try and get as many people on board with this as possible?
0: great question uh and and so Dr. Arielli, we'll come back to Dan yeah. because he is, he's a behavioral economist. He's not an environmentalist. Right. And that that's the other twist that we took in the film, which I am really excited about. And people are responding to very favorably in that, you know, unlike your traditional environmental or sustainability oriented narrative, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, we're doomed. We're dead. Talk to your municipal leader. Like you were saying, right? you know, we're like, if this is a behavior based problem, what are the behavior based solutions that we can take To solve this problem. Yeah. And Dr. Ariely, just for a little background, has two PhDs, one in psychology, Mm -hmm. one in marketing. So he really marries together, okay, why do we do what we do, and like, how does that integrate into our our current society and, and corporate culture? Right. So at the Center for Advanced Hindsight, which he's the founder of, Mm -hmm. at Duke University, they're going to help us develop an app that we're going to release in January of 2017 that will ideally help the everyday Joe measure the social and environmental impact of our everyday choices in a tangible and, and visual manner. So it's like, okay, if you're doing this, but you feel alone, but, oh, you're not actually alone. Right. And here's how you can measure it. And then here's the compound effect of that. Mm-hmm. And ideally, we'll cu- like couple that with a, uh, a show where we, again, journey around the world, highlighting sustainable difference makers and showing people, okay, if we do this compared to this, here's, here's the net positive gain. That's amazing. So if anybody out there, by the way, wants to produce <laughs> that show. <you> know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So you
2: produced, speaking of production, you produced the whole thing, the documentary yourself?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, I had a lot of support. Yeah. Um, in that, like Luis Pacheco, I cannot give enough credit to that man. He did the graphics for the film, the coloration, like when the chips were down, like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I don't know if anybody else has had a very limited budget before in their life. Um, while trying to complete a project that's extremely important to them, uh, things can get difficult. You know, that man stood by me the entire time and, and has done amazing work, right. like, you know, I mean, he's been, a, a in graphic design, uh, he freelanced for Cisco for years actually. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, for him to literally donate his time to the project because he believes in it um, is truly moving.
2: Okay. Well, let's talk about the process a little bit of of filmmaking slash documentary filmmaking because I think that's a, a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of us out there who don't really know. What goes into this? I assume that
0: you... And a year and a half ago, I had no idea either. Right.
2: You edited the whole thing, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, So myself, Luis, and uh, another friend, uh, Emmanuel, the three of us edited this together. And my roommate, I mean, who's a doctor, like Burke, he, he and I sat on this sofa for like countless hours, just arguing like over milliseconds for a cut. Like, no, no, they're blinking there. They're not blinking
2: here. Like, that's funny. That's the that's the musician in him because. Uh, well, okay, so, so for everyone out there, Burke is actually also a very good friend of mine. And the reason I actually
0: know Steven Burke introduced us, uh, and it almost At the annual walking soccer tournament. Right. Nobody knows what walking soccer is. No, I. I it up. If oh. you
2: don't know what walking soccer is, listen a few episodes back. Um,
0: Koji was my team captain. In <laughs> yeah.
2: fact, yeah, yeah, and it, I it, won't tell you our team name. It was almost like. Fate, because, um, you know, I started really getting into buns and it kind of linked with sustainability. So we, we, we kind of got to talking about this. But, uh, just to rewind, Burke and I used to be in a band together and we used to fight over milliseconds of songs. Like, oh no, it's <laughs> really, got to eh? be this, this <laughs> note, not this note, or like this timber, not that timber, because for whatever reason, right? So I can kind of understand that, that sort of labor of love. But starting with, uh, you know you have all these random clips interviews Mm -hmm. how how do you go about forming a narrative with that
0: well i like the ultimate product that people will see is the fourth iteration of the film Oh, the first three i legitimately felt like i wanted to slip my wrist because like most other environmental films by that like we arranged it in okay we're gonna give a little history of joe's Mm -hmm. ideally establishing some credibility with the viewer and me right um like why listen to this guy yeah yeah like Dude on screen, Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we were going to go into problems. Okay, here are the problems we face, and then you know, yay, we'll bring it home with solutions. Right. But by the time you got through the problems, you know, we're we're talking about yeah. At that point, it would have been about twenty-five minutes into the film. The film in total is even now. It's uh, it has a forty-six minute runtime that includes the credits, and yeah. we have like this really cute little montage from on the road. At the yeah, end. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you saw that. I like that. Um, well, I wanted to show people because. Like what it was like to be on the road because that's what a lot of people actually funded right? the, the campaign for, right? It was okay, we want to chronicle the Rethink Tour. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're getting a far superior product, but it doesn't chronicle the Rethink Tour as much as I, it, I had originally wanted to. Right. Um, where were we again? So
2: we were talking about this is the fourth iteration. The first oh, yeah. one was kind of doomy and then got to the. The first
0: three were all doomy. Okay. And then yeah.
2: it got to the solutions a little bit or but things people could do
0: a little bit too late in the film. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, So now we took what I like to call the hammer and the feather approach. Okay. So we take a situation that, you know, a problem, a challenge that is seemingly overwhelming. We'll have like Captain Paul Watson address the ocean, the water brothers talk about access to clean water and sanitation. Right. Uh, You know, I have a food expert from North Carolina talk about, you know, access to food, transportation related to food. Carly and Daniel Klein, uh, or excuse me, Carly and... uh, Daniel Miller and Carly Stein um, from Toronto, actually, and Beekeepers Naturals, they talk about the impact of bees. So we take a seemingly overwhelming problem, and we're going to tell you the things that most documentaries would tell you, but then instead of say, oh, contact this person, we give you, here's the feather, a little tickle, something to make you feel good, like, here's what you can do to have a positive impact today.
2: Right. And I think that that's what a lot of people are looking for, because most people w- want to help i think it, i i think it, if you ask especially any young person they're going to tell you you know i want to i want to help make the world a better place how do i do that and obviously there are some some clear things you know you could drastically change your life you could live off the grid if you wanted to but
0: but not everybody can do that
2: right and it's it's well i was just about to say it's not exactly realistic to expect people to make these drastic life changes. Like everyone wants to go to the gym three times a week, (laughs) but you know, realistically not everyone feels that they can do that. So to provide them with little things, because I think what a lot of people lose sight of is even just moving the needle a little bit in your own life. Everyone does that. You know, it starts to become part of the, I don't know, vernacular, if you will, Mm -hmm. of society. And then maybe, you know, the next generation moves a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until we get to, uh, you know, where we are. Hopefully, we can do it a little bit quicker than that. But because, I, I, you know, in the 50s, people were just like, when they were done their food, just scrunching it up into a ball and just throwing it wherever, right? Like, people just littered because they didn't think litter was a problem. And now we, we know better. And hopefully, we can convince people, you know, that we can make changes, the little changes that you suggest in your documentary.
0: Well, both little and big. And that was something else that Dr. Ariely had highlighted in that, you know, if you can get the person who's driving a Hummer that gets seven miles a gallon, right. to all of a sudden drive a new, a, a buddy of mine has a, um, a new Dodge Ram. Okay. It blew my mind. It, it, he was getting 28 miles a gallon on the interstate. Oh, wow. Okay. On the highway. I, I I went to school in the States. So every <laughs> now and then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go from the 400 series to, and I'll throw in a little interstate. Right. Uh, But if you can get somebody to make that change, then all of a sudden, you know, those gallon, like that one gallon of fuel, Mm -hmm. instead of only going seven miles, goes 28. Like it's, you know, an increase of what? 300% there. Right. Seven times four. Yeah.
2: That's, uh, yeah, I think that there's uh, a lot of people kind of lose sight of how, I mean, that's a big change to go from one vehicle to another, but it's still just uh you know a truck for a, a truck essentially or a Hummer's yep. i mean a hummer is a utility vehicle but whatever <laughs> um but it, i can't imagine that having such a large impact on your life that you know it's going to turn everything upside down and it, it's seemingly simple to do if you really think about it before making those types of changes in your life
0: yeah i mean you can do the same thing for your fridge your washer your dryer right. you know heating and cooling take an exorbitant amount of like electricity we did an experiment in year one yeah where we we measured certain household items and the amount of electricity they use and i, I couldn't even boil water yeah in well, in my like battery storage yeah i could not boil water so what'd you do how'd did, you how'd did, you warm things didn't, didn't have tea <laughs> <laughs> i ate a lot of salad i ate a lot of peanut butter and honey oh, my dad's cousin has a, a peanut farm up here in canada and uh there it's the only peanut butter i eat kernel peanuts Nancy and Ernie rats. They're okay. amazing. Okay, we're gonna have to talk after we're done this because uh, <laughs> I
2: love peanut butter. Do you?
0: Oh yeah. I'll bring you some over. I have like legitimately like Burke and I go through like we have a five kg, five kg tub yeah. that we'll eat monthly.
2: That's amazing. I, uh, fuck, I love peanut butter so much.
0: Oh, we can swear on this.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: We can say whatever.
2: This is my show. <laughs> we can. <laughs> I'm do trying to be all uh, extra PC. <laughs> no, we can do whatever we want, man. Um, okay, so. Let's move away from the documentary for a second. Now that uh, the documentary is done, obviously your goal is to get as many people to watch, but I'm sure you've got some other um,
0: things up your sleeve for Sustainable Joe's. What is next for Joe's? Well, ultimately we have to make Sustainable Joe's sustainable. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like, we raised $6,600 on Indiegogo a year and a half ago. Like it was May, 2014. Right. Um, and then we, we had to go back when the scope exploded back to injecting, you know, personal cash. And, and you know, I'm really lucky. Burke let me live in his house for the last nine months for free. Right. He's like, you know, brother, I'm not going to rent out a room in my house. Mm-hmm. Like, if this is how I can support the project, just make a really good film. Right, right, right. Uh, so it was actually really nice to share the, the premiere with Burke um, because, you know, like it's. If it wasn't for the generosity of so many people, I would not be able to do what I'm doing. That being said, yeah, I, I also want to be able to, you know, when we talk about that first pillar of like sustainable development, economic prosperity, like how do I even myself put a roof over my head and food on the table? Right. So, you know, as we highlight some of those sustainable difference makers with that show, we will sell their wares as well, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll we'll measure the impact and we'll right. show in a tangible and measurable manner, like the the impact of our everyday choices.
2: I think it's a it's interesting. A lot of people uh, might look at advertising or what have you, and they'd be like, "Oh, you know, throw their hands in the air." But myself personally, I'd be very curious because I've never—it's not come up where I can go to find items that either contribute to sustainability or lessen the amount of waste that I'm producing. I—I'll I, be honest with you, it's not something that. It really goes in my day-to-day consideration when I purchase things, right? Like yep. I'm ordering off Amazon, which is probably one of the worst things you can do because everything comes in a box with plastic and all the rest of that. So like, you know,
0: and I, and I don't know if that's the worst thing to do or if it's the best thing to do, but I do know that I believe we can measure it and we can find out mm-hmm. and then we can illustrate that. And, and I hope that sustainable Joe's will ultimately be that space. I, I call it the hub for sustainability. So right. You know, entertainment to education to you know, like retail, a, a sales space, a, a bridge that connects, you know, a, people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you go, my mother lives in Manhattan. Like, right. where, how do I find the local coffee shop in New York City that, you know, has direct trade coffee beans? Right. You know, direct trade or fair trade. Um, I want Joe's to be able to do that. So, if anybody wants to help us build that, let me know there too.
2: <laughs> well, one of the things that you said to me a while ago, um, when we maybe even first met, or I don't re- recall, but it kind of stuck with me, is your goal isn't just to give people the the solutions or you know the methods for them to, to to make the world better, but also bring people together so that you you can come up with these things because not everything has has been kind of um, fully fully fleshed out right there's still yeah, a lot of possibilities absolutely. and so you want to build a space to allow people to figure these things out
0: when i call that joe's nation right like i want to build joe's nation so a community of everyday joes around the world so you know we'll have sustainable joes toronto sustainable joes london paris mumbai like everywhere right and then if people everywhere connected hmm are choosing each and every day to make the most sustainable choice they can make. Right. And that's what I call the sustainable now. Yeah. Then we will recognizing, you know, like that, what I can do based off of experience, time, knowledge, and, and avail like access to financial resources will be different than what you can do. Right. Like if we all just make the most sustainable choice each and every moment, we will move our world in that direction. And I'd like sustainable Joe's to be the hub empowering people to do that.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm pulling for you, and I, and I hope that uh, we can get this documentary into the face of faces of as many people as possible. You mean both, brother? <laughs> yeah. And and as soon as uh, as soon as it's released online, I'm gonna make sure to let as many buns out there know so that they can check it out because I think that uh, you know. Buns is a small step in in that direction, and I think that there's a lot of like-minded people in the community that want to help. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to uh, you wanted to throw out there before we before we
0: finish up? So many things. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll share two stories. Yeah. One, when I asked the sustainability manager for IKEA Canada what his favorite quote was, mm-hmm. and he said. You know, it's, I've read who it was by, but I remember the quote, it said, when you think you've exhausted all of your options, just remember you haven't. And so whenever I feel down, mm-hmm. like that's something I remember, like, no, like I grew up on a farm, like keep working and we will figure this out. I believe we have their creativity. We have the, like the, the human ingenuity, the, the technical, the technological resources right. to take care of this, these challenges we face. Uh, and story number two is. Wow, I have two I want to share. But anyways, one is Captain Watson. You know, he said when Stephen, when I'm out at sea, I know exactly how much water we have. I know exactly how much food we have. And therefore, like, I know exactly how long we can stay out at water at, at sea. Right. He's like, Earth is essentially humanity's spaceship. We only have so many resources. Mm-hmm. How we choose to consume them will dictate the the prosperity of future generations. Right. So, uh, you know, Joe's wants to be that that channel, that avenue, that source that empowers people to maximize the utility of resources, recognizing that, you know, what are we but stewards?
2: Well, so there's a lot of these types of things in the documentary, and I stress very (laughs) much that people check it out. And there's also... I mean, we didn't really touch on it, but I think it's probably best saved for the documentary. A lot of parallels drawn uh, to other sorts of crises that have existed or that do exist. uh, And, you know, they've drawn a parallel to sustainability or climate change or what have you. And it's pretty eye-opening. I don't want to give anything away. I think
0: you're talking about the minister, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, but I'm sure there's a lot more in the documentary than Absolutely. the the scenes that I saw but I don't want to give anything away I just want everyone to to go check it out because the pacing the the message the interviews it's all um, it's not your standard documentary let me just put it that way and I think that it it's worth a watch it's not and it's also not very long if you're like oh I don't have a lot of time or I don't normally watch documentaries or whatever excuse that people sometimes give like just check it out you know just check it out sustainablejoes.com
0: and it's going to be up there when November the 21st.
2: November the 21st. And if you want to get involved, I'm sure there are links on the website. As Absolutely. Far, as I mean, I,
0: you type in Sustainable Joes into Google, it's impossible not to find the project. We're like the first three pages. So whether it's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, or, or the website, uh, we'd love to hear from you.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking to me. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk again about this whole thing. Once you get your series off the ground.
0: Oh, thank you, brother. This is uh uh, it's always a pleasure. You know. Yeah, this is amazing. All right, SustainableDose.com. Eh? Oh, thanks, with, man. With, with buns. like I, I love what you guys are doing. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, I think it's a...
2: For some people, sustainability is like a focus of buns, and for other people, I think it's just kind of like a happy sort of accident. Yep. But regardless of the reason why you're doing it, if you're not throwing something away, you're helping, right? So.
0: Back, to do, back to Dr. Ariely's behavioral... Yeah, just check it out, guys. Just check it out.
2: Toronto Electronic Experimental Ambient Bun with a project name I can't pronounce. So I'm going to spell it for you. It's K-R-Z-Y-Z-I-S. So if you want to check it out, it's K-R-Z-Y-Z-I-S dot I apologize in advance if this is your project for not being able to pronounce it. I just don't want to butcher it. But uh, I hope that uh, you guys all check it out. It's like w- kind of off the wall soundscapes and, and droning stuff. Very cool, though. Let me know what you think. Here it is.